Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that brings you the personal partnership stories of experts from all walks of life so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel. You know that the partnership game is not easy, but it's so worth it. If you're struggling with attracting or maintaining partnerships, go to speakingofpartnership.com right now, click on the big red button, and attend a free webinar on the secret to starting your ideal partnership today. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. I can't tell you how excited I am to bring you today's featured guest, Christine Carlson. Christine, welcome to the show. Aw, thanks, Ken. I'm so happy to be here. No, it's fantastic. I, I'm thrilled that you're here. And let me just kind of give everybody a background on you, Christine, because it's quite a background. Christine Carlson is a New York Times bestselling author. She's a speaker and a leader in the field of transformation. After collaborating with her late husband, Dr. Richard Carlson, to create the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff series, she went on to emerge as a profound teacher in the areas that matter most to the human heart, how to heal and how to love. In her forthcoming book, From Heartbreak to Wholeness, The Hero's Journey to Joy, she offers a process for healing that goes beyond common prescriptions, for getting through the pain of heartbreak of all kinds. She takes the readers by the hand, giving them life-altering map for navigating the journey from loss to joy, one that can awaken them to deep love with life. She's also known for her authenticity, her vulnerability, and her humor, leaving her audiences moved, inspired, and optimistic about the future. You may have seen her when she's been featured on television shows, radio shows, uh, everything from the Today Show, Good Morning America, The View, and The Oprah Winfrey Show. So, Christine, do us a favor. Would you just give us a glimpse into how you got started doing this incredible work you're doing now? Yeah, well, I have to say that I got started because really it was Richard's career that, um, you know, he began his career as a psychologist um, really way back when we were first married. And we studied a form of psychology together. At the time, it was called Psychology of Mind. And it was about, I'd say, 30, 35 years ago that we studied these principles of happiness that are the principles that we teach throughout the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff series. So I was really fortunate that Richard was choosing an alternative um, map to his own career from traditional psychology because he didn't really believe um, that traditional psychology was going to work for people long term. And what he really believed was that people have access to their mental health. You just have to teach them how to access their mental health when they get off course. And so that's, um, that's where he started his career. Quite frankly, you know, I was, we were newly married and I was busy pursuing a marketing, um, business, a graphic design business. And, um, yet we were living these principles in our marriage, in our partnership, in our life together. And so uh, about his 10th book, um, he wrote Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. And previously he had written 10 books, just as I said, you know, all, <laughs> all great books, you know, but Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, uh, really resonated with the world and took off um, and became a world phenomenon for um, 
well, many years, but for the first two years, it was really sitting on the number one spot on the New York Times. So it was it was an incredible journey that we had together. And then 10 years in at the 10th anniversary, um, Richard was working on um, promoting his latest book, which is about 10 books later. <laughs> he wrote about a book a year. Wow. And, yeah. And um, on his on this plane trip that he had to New York to promote his latest book, um, on the descent of that flight, he had a pulmonary embolism and that took his life really suddenly. And, um, we were 22 years into our marriage, 25 years into our relationship. We had two daughters in high school and, um, yeah, it was, it's been a a totally different kind of partnership that I've had with him since. Yeah. But but one that I'm really happy to talk about in, in the scope of our conversation today if we go there. So, yeah, it's been an incredible journey. I've been really blessed, and my career has come out of that series. Richard invited me to write Don't Sweat the Small Stuff in Love with him about um, the third book into the series. And then he um, asked me to write Don't Sweat the Small Stuff for Women. And I've since written Don't Sweat the Small Stuff for Moms. So it's been an incredible journey as an author and a writer and a transformational leader. That's fantastic. Wow. What an amazing journey. So I want to ask you something, because like you said, you've had this amazing relationship with Richard. What what was kind of your, I call it a, a guiding principle, some people it's a quote or a mantra, but what's that thing that you could always come back to whenever you kind of got off in the weeds regarding your partnership? You know, um, I'll tell you a story about when, um, when we had a moment. Richard and I had a very unusual relationship. We used to look at each other when people said relationship was a lot of work, and we used to laugh because... <laughs> Ours didn't feel that way. We um, also used to say that we had a lot of issues, but not with each other. And um, I think, you know, that was because of a couple of reasons that we were able to identify. um, And hopefully we presented in Don't Sweat the Small Stuff in Love. Um, You know, Richard and I recognized very early on that communication was really key to having a great relationship. We both had the desire also to have a great relationship. Um, you know, I would say that our parents were both had long-term relationships, but they weren't necessarily our model relationships. Um, and so, you know, he and I look to uh, discover a new model for relationships, um, just based on what our intention would be together. And, you know, we were a young couple, but we were very well versed in, in psychology and healing and in the transformational world very early on. So we were exposed to a lot of tools. When I say we lived the principles of don't sweat the small stuff, we really did. And um, But there's one thing I would tell anybody in relationship that really matters most, and that is that you have to um, have a total mutual respect for one another. And that I think a lot of times what you see in relationship is this sort of um, ownership level or something of that akin to that feeling like I own this person now that I'm in a relationship with them. And therein lies a real problem because, you know, as human beings, we're really meant to be autonomy and whole on our own and very complete. 
And if we really look to another person, you know, to fulfill that in us, or we think we own that person because we're in a relationship with them, then we might not treat them the same way and with the same high level of respect that let's say we would, would treat a best friend, you know, and I think um, Richard and I wrote the first chapter of Don't Sweat the Small Stuff in Love um, is mostly be pals because to us, um, we had identified that the reason why our relationship really was so great was because we always treated each other with a very high level of respect when we spoke to each other and we always treated each other as friends. But there was this one time in our marriage and was when our kids were little and we were kind of scrambling. It was before that 10th book and that big success that we had and we're scrambling to make ends meet. I was doing like a network marketing company, which took me out of the house a lot, took me away from the kids and the family. Um, Richard was busy wearing about three hats at the time, making ends meet. We were working really hard and we were really frazzled. And I remember um, our kids went off to school and um, Richard and I, for some reason, sat down at their little table. And we're talking about one of those miniature tables <laughs> and chairs. Now, I don't know why in this big house we sat down at that little table, but at the end of our discussion, it was quite hilarious to us that that's where we chose to sit. And it, maybe it was because suddenly our, our ideas had gotten so muddled up about what our marriage was about and how we were to be partners in this situation. And it was so small-minded that we actually chose the smallest table and chairs in the house to sit at. <laughs> yeah. but, but Richard was about six foot four, so you can imagine he didn't fit on one of those little chairs very well. Um, but, you know, we sat and we were talking, and I remember that, Richard started saying some things that kind of started triggering me. And and the reason why they were triggering me was because I was feeling pretty much the same way. You know, I think he was feeling very taken for granted, unappreciated. Like we just were, move, you know, passing the kids back and forth. You know, there wasn't any quality time in our marriage. You know, we were just really going through a very, very busy time. And I remember um, inside starting to feel this kind of level of defensiveness rise, which was really unusual in our relationship. But then suddenly I took a deep breath and I, I kind of paused and I started to notice how I was feeling. And I remember thinking um, about how much I loved Richard. And I remember thinking to listen to what he was saying, not at the content of what he was saying, but to the feeling behind what he was saying. And I wanted to honor his feelings because in that moment, he was the one that was upset. Seriously. I mean, I was just kind of going along with everything. And he was the one that was like, Hey, this isn't working. You know, we got to find a different way. And and so I thought, well, okay, he's the one that's got the problem with this. He's right. It's not working real great. Um, and so I, I just decided, I made that choice to sit back and not be defensive about it, but instead honor his feelings and and really honor him. And and I remember I, I just said, gosh, you know, you're so right. You're so right. And I'm so sorry. And I'm, I hear what you're saying. And yeah, I can see how you'd feel that way. And, you know, let's, let's do this differently. Let's design it differently. And, you know, that 
um, that one situation taught me so much about how to manage, you know, myself in a relationship, you know, without sacrificing really anything because it was just more being mindful, right. About what he was saying and sitting and being mindful about how I was feeling and, and then responding from that place of love rather than reacting um, out of, you know, some sort of ego anger or something, you know, some sort of, you know, reaction that really wouldn't have sufficed in my relationship with Richard, you know, and, and as I alluded, these moments in our marriage were few and far between, but because of um, the great way that we paid attention to each other, and believe me, I've had, I had my meltdowns with him too, where he really, you know, he really listened to the feeling behind my words and not, you know, not the bag of walnuts I hurled at him down the hall. <laughs> so, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, there's, you know, there's that piece of where sometimes as the partner, you know, you have to sit back and especially, you know, to be a really good partner, it, it means that you don't always have to be right in the moment. It means that, you know, you want to choose love and choose kindness and and choose listening, you know, and listening even at a deeper level than, you know, listening to somebody's words or the content. But listen to the feelings. That's probably one of my greatest relationships tips I could ever offer anyone. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, <laughs> that's such a big piece. And I- I'm curious because obviously, as you talked about, you know, these were unusual for you guys to have these kind of situations and probably in no small part because you weren't sweating the small stuff. So I'm just curious, like, what advice can you give to our listeners about like, because typically, you know, the reason we're sweating the small stuff is it doesn't seem small. Well, How yeah, can we get the perspective to recognize it actually is small stuff so we don't have to get all caught up in it? Well, there's a few things that um, that we teach. And there, you know, if you go to Richard's earlier work in his book, You Can Be Happy No Matter What, um, he lays out five principles of keeping life in perspective. And so if you understand something about your own thinking, and that's the first principle is about thought, um, you understand something about moods and feelings and separate realities and present moment living. Um, if you live presently, if you kind of put all these things together and you you learn about those, um, that really helps in not sweating the small stuff. I mean, and really, in essence, you know, we could say that as you learn the tools of mindfulness, which really is what the Don't Sweat series points to, you have to understand that our series came before all of these terms really came out into the mainstream. So whereas, you know, mindfulness has been around for a very, very long time, you know, that really wasn't a a prevalent term, you know, 20 years ago, neither was positive psychology born yet. So we were very pre a lot of these, um, you know, very mainstream ideas now. But the principles that I spoke of, you know, when you understand that um, people are living in their own separate reality, that they are seeing the world through a very unique lens that is coming from their own individual filter system, 
you know, which comes from their beliefs, their upbringing, you know, the things that have happened to them, mostly their deepest beliefs dictate the filter that they're viewing the world. But even in a marriage or partnership, when you can look at your partner and realize that you're not always going to see eye to eye because you, you aren't, I mean, you just aren't going to see things the same way because you're looking at a situation through um, a very different filter. I mean, have you ever, you know, talked to like a brother or sister, Ken, or maybe your own brother or sister, mm -hmm. and they remember a situation totally different than you remember it? <laughs> Yeah, that happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I mean. It's like you're living, you're you're seeing things through your own lens, through your own filter system, and I mean this can help in all different relationships. This can help you in your business relationships. You know, in your work environment. And, you know, anytime you're in a conflict with somebody, if you can just step back and remember, wow, you know, this person is just seeing this through their own lens, you know, through their own wounding, through their own whatever, it, it helps you access a higher level of compassion and understanding and just helps you be a lot less reactive to something somebody's saying. And the other thing about, you know, the other main thing I would say is that mostly it's the stories we tell ourselves about what happens that matters most. You know, it's like, our experience, we have an experience and then we, um, you know, we process our experience and then we tell a story about that experience. And so how much of that story is real and, you know, authentic, who knows, you know, it's because we've processed, um, a situation a certain way and we're telling ourselves a story about that situation and that experience. So, just understanding that, just being able to kind of sometimes question your own experience even, you know, to be able to be in question about how you might be seeing things a little bit skewed, you know, these are really, really profound principles in, um, in working with people and being in partnership in being in relationship in, you know, developing a very high level understanding of, um, of what it means to be a human being and, and have these experiences together and yet separate at the same time. Yeah. You know, it's funny your, your comment about, uh, you know, two people perceiving a situation totally different and that's not a sometimes it's always different mm -hmm. if nothing else, because they were sitting on the other side of the table. So what was behind you as the conversation was going on was different than what was behind them. And we don't exactly. realize all these things have a role, right? It's like if you're sitting in some, like at a restaurant and say you're facing the wall and they're facing out and you get up and all of a sudden you're like, when did it start raining? And they're like, oh, it's been raining the whole time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. Like, so your experience is totally, you're sitting there expecting to walk out into the sunshine and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, hey, what happened? And you feel blindsided by the weather and the other person's like, oh, yeah, I saw it coming. Yeah, that's a great analogy. That's a great story. Um, and, you know, the other thing that we do a lot of talking about in our series is moods. You know, like, when do you think most married people talk about their problems? Do they talk about them in a high mood or a low mood? <laughs> this has to be the easiest question ever. <laughs> low <laughs> right because in high moods that don't seem like problems nothing to talk about everything's great 
<laughs> Everything's great. Yeah. So, but you know, one of the things that Richard and I used to do is we would check in with each other about what kind of mood we were in before we brought up an issue. And this is a really powerful principle to live by because boy, I'll tell you what, you're much more likely to get what you want if you hit somebody in a high mood than if you hit them in a low mood. <laughs> and and you're also going to respond a lot differently if you're in a high mood than you're in a low mood if somebody asks you for something that they want. So it's a really powerful principle to live by to really check in, you know, with your partner. Like, are you, how are you feeling today? You know, and understanding that life in a low mood looks very different than life in a high mood. And if you just think about your own experience, you know, it's, it's, you know, let's say you've determined that the sunshine matters to you and that the sun must be shining for you to be in a good mood, but you wake up and it's raining and it's dark and it's gloomy and it, you've decided that that puts you in a low mood. Well, you know, that's probably not the day to tackle your problems. You know, whenever you're feeling low is a time to just be graceful. Um, just allow yourself to feel your feelings, allow yourself to rise up to a higher place before you tackle any problems because you'll have a source of instant perspective on life as you allow your mood to rise. And, you know, that seems so simple and common sense, but if you don't know and you don't think about it, it's really not because most people, it's true, really do um, go after each other in a low mood. They really do. And then then a, a small issue, which might be a real non-issue in a higher mood, can turn into a really big conflict and a big argument. I've heard of people who get divorced over how to size the books in their library. You know, I mean, <laughs> mm. how do we place the books in our library, alphabetically or by size, you know? <laughs> wow. I can't agree on that, you know, but Maybe if they had decided that in a high mood, it wouldn't have been an issue. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I mean, this this is, you know, how we turn small stuff into big stuff. It is, truly. One of the main main ways we do is by just simply, you know, not um, being tuned in, you know, to another person enough to realize that, you know, if they're low, that's not going to be the right time to communicate with them about certain things. Yeah, you just reminded me of a um, a friend of mine, Maggie, years ago when she was raising her two boys as a single mom, and they were like four and five, and she'd brought a lot of mindful presence, uh, principles into her, her parenting, and she was getting all frustrated with the, the kids for something they were doing. I don't know what it was. And she goes, do you know what he said to me? Her son looked at him and said, Mom, are you really in a place to talk about this right now? Oh, smart. At four years old. Yes. Yeah, and she goes, so first I'm all pissed off. I'm like, don't use that on me. And then she's like, you're right, though. I, I yeah. can't parent you from this place. I'm just reacting. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> but it is. It's like, what if we just own the fact that this is not the best time to have this conversation? Yeah, that's a great principle for um, a great relationship. It really is. It is. You know, you'll find that it works really well, and and it's um, also a lot of times I think what people need in a low mood is they just need some space. You know, they just need a little bit of space to allow themselves to gravitate upward. You know, absolutely. And you know, I, I just thought of something here, Christine. I mean, obviously, you're working with a lot of people on, on transformation and making these shifts and being more mindful. 
What's your experience of, I call it the trap of uh, intuition, the tra or not intuition, but, but of uh, personal development, where now we think somehow we're superior. So because we intellectually understand it, it doesn't apply to us. That sounds like the fallen master to me. <laughs> That's a great term for it. I think that, um, well, first of all, I mean, every relationship is very unique and, you know, you're, you're dealing with, you know, a lot of, you know, it depends on what kind of relationship that you're, you're working with. But I do think the respect piece is really important. Um, if you respect people and you honor their feelings and no matter if you're, um, in a superior role or not, you know, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's, it's, it, what matters is that you treat people, um, with a lot of compassion and understanding and kindness. And, you know, I certainly, most of my team will always say that they really love working with me, um, for that reason. You know, every once in a while, I mean, I get busy and I get frazzled and I, I kind of will, you know, jump on somebody or whatever. But I, overall, um, that would be like, I'd say that'd be 5% of the time. And usually that's like during a big launch or, um, you know, if somebody asks something really unreasonable of me or whatever, but it's a very rare thing. And I think, I think you have to, um, do your best, um, to follow those rules, no matter what role you're in, no matter, you know, who you are in the world, you know, you know, it doesn't, that doesn't, shouldn't play any kind of, that, that, that doesn't give you any, you know, any grace period for being an idiot, you know, like, <laughs> I think you just always have to be yourself and, and be kind, you know, and just live by those simple principles of kindness, no matter, you know, no matter who you are. I don't, I don't think that matters. And, you know, I think if you're not walking your talk as a personal growth leader and a transformational person, then you're not really doing the work that you say you are because you can't really fool people on that. And and I think at the end of the day, you know, that comes out about people when when they have like a massive ego and they mistreat their the people that work with them. That comes out about them, and it doesn't it doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even on the more you know individual level. Like if you're going, oh, I've studied all this stuff and, you know, my partner hasn't, so they need my counsel. And, and then we only, you know, we have the, the double standard, so to speak. Um, yet that doesn't serve either, right? Because we're all still yeah. evolving from wherever we are, we're evolving. Yeah, you know, my, my husband has been, um, he, you know, he's been passed for, you know, 11 years now. So I... You know, I've had a, I've had a number of different relationships over the past eleven years, and none of them what I would call true partnerships, but certainly some soulmate friendships, and especially one I'm thinking of. And you know, he 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 read um, some of our books, and you know, but I can't say that he really lived all of our principles. But I'll tell you what, as friends today, this man that I dated for a very long time, I can tell that just for me, um, you know, living within my own scope of mental health and well-being, a lot of that has rubbed off on him. And, you know, that this is one of the ways that, you know, as a, as a partner or a friend to anybody, um, that you spend a lot of time with, you can realize is that, um, your health and well-being, the way you treat yourself and the way you act and the way you respond to life really impacts other people at the level of, you know, 
message. And, and the more that you can access that and be in that yourself, um, the more other people around you will pick up on that because it truly is contagious. And, um, and, and you'll, you know, you'll start to see how people start to change and become gentler and kinder. And because what you, how you act in the world is so much more important than how, what you say you act like. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. Just, powerful than your words. So that goes with parenting too. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we've actually arrived at a portion of the show here, Christine, I call it bring it all home. And this is where we're going to step away from the stories. And I'm going to ask you to provide some simple guidance for our listeners so they can, you know, have these little gold nuggets to take home with them. And the first thing I want to ask you is what would you say is the best partnership or relationship advice that you've ever received? Oh, okay. Well, um, when I think of that, I think of a story that um, my dad t told me um, when I was a young girl. And he said, there's a couple things he said. He said um, about dating, he said, listen, you know, every person that you meet, every relationship that you have matters until you meet that one person that you've determined has, you know, 99% if not a hundred percent of the qualities that you're really looking for. Every person matters because they help you de decide and determine who you're really looking for as a life partner. That was, I thought really powerful information for me as a young, a very young woman when I was dating a lot. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why I always realized that I recognized Richard um, right away as the man that I wanted to be my life partner and, and be married to. Um, the other thing is something else my dad said, and he said, um, you know, the idea of, you know, you need to be, um, you want to be as complete a person as you possibly can in, in life. And as you become this, um, you know, very secure young woman, you know, you'll meet um, somebody that's hopefully as secure and complete as you are. And then you can just really enjoy your lives together. You can build a life and enjoy your life from that place. And in a way that was really wise because what he was really in essence saying is be the best young woman, be the best person that you can be, because then you're going to create and attract a mirror of who you are. And that person, you know, when you put two really positive mirrors together, you get like a really, you get a really good partnership. You get a very powerful partnership. And certainly um, with Richard, I experienced that. I had an amazing marriage. We had a very, um, an incredibly successful life together that we co-created and, and we're very much a mirror of one another. So those are the two things that I feel were the best things I ever learned. Love it. Absolutely fantastic. So let me ask you this then. I know you're an author. We've talked about some of your books. Other than your own book or even, you know, the books you've written with Richard, what would you recommend is like the best resource or best book you recommend to people regarding relationships and partnership? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to recommend Don't Sweat the Small Stuff in Love. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know... Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think, like, what books have I read on relationship? I mean, I guess, you know, Paul Miguel Ruiz books. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I, I haven't really, my early, 
the books I read in college, we took a couple of classes on, um, on love and marriage in college that were really powerful. Um, but I, you know, I haven't really actually read a lot about love and relationship. I mean, I, I just have kind of felt that, um, that's something that I really understand, you know, to be really honest with mm-hmm. you, I, I haven't really ever had to look in that area for growth, you know, um, which is kind of odd because I, I get how a lot of people do, <laughs> but I guess that's what I've, I have a really high level of mastery in relationships. So I, I feel like, yeah, I guess I don't read a lot about that, but there are a lot of great books. I mean, I guess, um, you know, which one I would love to read is the one on, um, Catherine, oh, what, she has a program. What's her name? Um, I'm not sure who you're referencing. Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't think of it either right now. <laughs> Maybe it'll come to me as okay. we continue on. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's all good. It's all good. Well, no, and, and, and perhaps the best resource that, that you've experienced is, is the one that you guys put together. Because obviously you weren't like, going, here's some lousy advice. <laughs> you were giving the best you had. So yeah. that could be the resource. So do us a favor. Would you let our listeners know how, how they could contact you or learn more about what you do? Yeah, so the best way to um, find out more about me is to go to christinecarlson.com, and that's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, Carlson, C-A-R-L-S-O-N.com. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing these stories and insights. Absolutely amazing, totally transformational, and and I want to thank you again for being on the show today. Uh, Thank you so much, Ken. It's been wonderful talking with you. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. Be sure you catch the bonus stories from our guests on Follow Your Yes Friday. It's easy to do. Just go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher or iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else either in person or on the web. Have a great day. And remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.